Hey everybody, it's time once again, that favorite special time of the week. It's time for the Moho Show. This week we've got a great agenda. Alex and I are going to talk about an upcoming conference for tech enthusiasts, tech professionals. It's Microsoft Ignite season. And that is uh, always an interesting time with news and announcements around Microsoft 365. So we'll peel back uh, some ideas, what we're looking forward to, and even go back in time and see what was announced last year to see how that is working out for us. Uh, as well, I've got a tip on plus addressing in Outlook, an email tip. So it is time to connect. It is time for the Moho Show. And there we are. Let's let's connect. Let's hit the ground running. Alex Henry, how are you doing? I'm doing quite fabulous. How are you doing today, Mr. Ryan? Uh, you know, the season's changing. <laughs> outside, <laughs> outside, inside, it's uh, it's business as usual. Yeah. Uh, what have you been working on in the past week? Uh, lots of team demos, uh, phone demos. You had a webinar recently too, right? Yeah. So we, we talked about demystifying SharePoint migrations. There's still, there's still a lot of fear and trepidation about moving to the cloud. Uh, and maybe not so much for the audience that would watch uh, this, this show in particular. Uh, but a lot of organizations out there, there's still that thought of, if I can't see it, you know, if I can't see my server, if I can't reach out and hug it at some point in the day, I, I'm just not comfortable with it. So yeah, helping people get over uh, what I call um, migration paralysis, where, yeah, we know we need to do it. Yeah, we know we need to do it. Oh, we'll just order another server and we'll get another, you know, five, eight, sometimes 10 years, you know, past warranty and all sorts of interesting situations like that. So, I mean, you know what? I, I don't miss using servers. We have them. We have them at the office. I think I've looked at them once because I just keep everything in the cloud and I've never, I've never really looked back, mainly because um, I like having access to the things I need and not having to go through a VPN. That's just mm -hmm. me. Um, yeah, it's interesting, I guess. And I, I can understand why people, why there'd still be a lot of hesitation. One, it's a lot of work to migrate and get your stuff off of the server. The longer you've had it for, the more work there is to likely clean it up and get it set up. And now you got to learn your file structures and everything all over again in a whole new environment, whether it's SharePoint, OneDrive, et cetera. So it's not an, it, it is a big decision to make that move, but I think the, like, we're, we're a little biased, but I think, you know, it's safe to say that it's a, it's a good move to make in the long run. Yeah. And I, I'm even seeing something too, uh, quite interesting and, and you just in my own experience and maybe you can, you can tell me how, how you come across it, Alex is, um, when, when we're approaching these migrations, we always do our best to lower the learning curve or flatten the learning curve make the new as much as, as similar to the old as we can. And what I mean by that is we'll set up SharePoint sites, we'll sh set up shared destinations to sort of match what you have today on, on those map drives on your server. Uh, and then we go through the extraordinary task of making sure everybody syncs with Windows or File Explorer or with Finder on the Mac uh, using the OneDrive client. It syncs those locations into, you know, again, File Explorer and Finder. So that things are kind of similar or they look, look and feel similar. But I've tried this experiment myself in the last month or so is I've unsynced almost every uh, shared drive from SharePoint 
with the OneDrive. So I'm just using OneDrive 90% for my own OneDrive. And when I need to go to a shared folder uh, from a SharePoint site, I'm going in through the OneDrive web app, to so the OneDrive web experience. Interesting. Um, and going to you know going to the pin libraries, going to those those quick libraries, um, rather than having tons of stuff filling up my file explorer, I kind of forced myself to just do it on the web, just to see how much of a hassle it was. And it's really not that bad. In fact, it's it's quite compelling to do it that way. I know it sounds like oh I got to go here and click this thing and go to that. Um, I use Edge. Everybody knows I use Edge as my browser. I've signed into Edge with my work account, which means I've got some really quick shortcuts into my OneDrive. And from there, I can go into my shared libraries and document libraries and SharePoint sites. So I've actually found it quite refreshing to do it that way instead of having everything piled into uh, File Explorer. How has that been? Okay, so I, I, I'm, an, I'm an advocate for using the web app. I, mm -hmm. I enjoy using it. I, I find, you know, search is great for the most part. It's got some weaknesses, but it's, it's still really solid in OneDrive. Being yeah. able to access all your SharePoint files and shared lot drives in there, great. And But for some of the work I do, especially for video editing after our streams, um, I need to have those files on SharePoint synced to my computer so Adobe and Premiere can read them. Mm -hmm. And lately I've been thinking about, so my strategy for the last little while has been to, I have my OneDrive mapped and then I have specific folders from SharePoint synced. I don't, I never sync the entire library because that's just too much crap on your computer. You don't really need right. or sync to your computer. You don't really need a lot of information. Like, people are going to be making changes to these files you'll never look at. And yeah. if they're syncing to your computer, it's just a waste of energy. So I sync what I need. But lately, I've been looking at the shortcuts in OneDrive. So you can add a folder in OneDrive as a shortcut to OneDrive, and then you can access those folders from there. And this works in the web app and the desktop app. And when this feature rolled out, I want to say oh, you, you hated it. You, I remember when it came out, you hated it. <laughs> well, and that, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, I know. Because, and it was mainly because, um, and I don't know if I had the folder synced twice or what was going on, but the sync app could not handle it. It could not figure it out. So it always flake out on me. So eventually I just said, never use the shortcuts because they still need some work. They were just having a lot of syncing issues. And lately I've been wondering, I'm like, well, why do I need, maybe they've improved it. So I was wondering if you've tried that at, at all on your side. Uh, a couple of months ago I did. Uh, I was sort of exploring something for, for a customer at the time. And they had improved even from the last time you and I looked at them when you were quite unhappy with it. Uh, it, it had improved in that case. And so it was even a recommendation I gave to a customer. Um, hey, instead of syncing all of these things, just you know, see if you can leverage shortcuts and see what happens. Uh, and, and it turned out to be a, a good workaround. But that's kind of the whole genesis of my idea of unsyncing all of those libraries to, to the point you just made is I was syncing the entire document library for a SharePoint site. Um, so I was in for a world of hurt and, and it did. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what kind of caused me to step back and say, I don't need everything in this SharePoint site. I go to two hot folders, you know, I go to this one and that one. I'm just going to sync those. Or I know when I need something, I'll 
go over to to the web app in OneDrive. Yeah, I haven't tested this. I've been testing it up very lately so far mm -hmm. just to see how well that goes. Right now, I don't see any advantage to switching from syncing specific folders from SharePoint to your computer and or using the shortcuts in OneDrive because as far as I can tell, it accomplishes the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the only advantage I can think of is if for a client that's new to Microsoft 365 and having everything linked to their OneDrive. So they only have one folder to go to. They can see all their shared SharePoint folders in there. And it just kind of simplifies that process for them versus having SharePoint on one side and OneDrive on another side and, and having to manage both of those on your computer. Yeah. It works. It can definitely work. It's one of those which one actually has the most tangible benefit or which one provides or which one is less risky in the long term. Yeah. And I think having both is the riskier option. So choose one or the other, but don't, I don't know. I'm still hesitant to have both on my computer. So, and, and probably defend, depends on the, the, you know, the workflow and the work type, right? If you're spending a lot of time in office documents, wherever you open them from in office, autosave is going to be on all of the version control magic is going to be happening anyways. So if you're really looking just for that, I need a shortcut to files in a folder, that could absolutely be a compelling you know, choice for you. If you're more the type of, I'm making new things, I'm moving and copying and compressing and combining things and deleting things, then maybe the folder sync is the right, you know, the right choice. Mm -hmm. It's going to depend on what you're working with and how you're working with it, I guess. That's true. A lot of context is needed, mm -hmm. um, but having the options is always great. But at this point, I'm curious to say, hey, you're brand new to Office 365. Let's focus on OneDrive. Not even talk about document libraries too much because it ends up being, there's still always a lot of confusion between OneDrive and SharePoint. Document libraries, how they work, what the difference is, why are there two, et cetera, all the questions we get on a regular basis. But if we look at just saying, hey, Focus on OneDrive for your files. It's purely files. SharePoint has files. It does files. It stores it. It does files, but it does a lot of other things. Focus on OneDrive to start with because you got your files. You yeah. can add your shortcuts to folders you visit often. You have in the web app, you have access to all of your SharePoint sites. And then you can also pin those special document libraries, those folders. So it gives people just one place to focus on, one place to go for that stuff. And then later on, introduce document libraries, go into that realm and start looking at the other things you can do. Because once you get into the document libraries before, the world's your oyster. That's when you can start adding views and custom metadata and all that. But when I look at someone brand new to the sweep, keep it simple, focus on OneDrive first, get your shortcuts set up, get your, um, your document libraries pinned and just get comfortable with that before you get really crazy on the SharePoint side. Right Anyways, we've got a pretty stacked agenda for today. So let's let's keep this ball rolling. Talk yeah, about so, Ignite 2022. Yeah, for so for those not in the know, uh, Ignite, if you've ever heard of us uh, refer to the Ignite conference or the Ignite event before, uh, we also talk about Microsoft Inspire. We also talk about Microsoft Build. But these are sort of Microsoft's industry uh, again, conferences and events for different audiences. Inspires uh, absolutely about Microsoft partners like we are. Um, build obviously is for people building things with Microsoft, so very, very focused with developers. 
But Ignite is the one in the family that is aimed probably at the largest audience, I, I would think, Alex. It is for technology professionals uh, and technology professionals of sort of all degrees, right? You may be using Microsoft products, and I would say that kind of makes you a technology professional. You may be a champion, and a champion within your team or workplace using some of these uh, exciting products, or you may be employed in IT or technology in the sector. And again, this is kind of the conference for, for you. So it's coming up October 12th to 14th, so just a few days away, a week away. Uh, and again, a lot of sessions, a lot of content, um, a lot of meeting, a lot of greeting, a lot of um, ev sort of sub um, events aimed at technology professionals around Microsoft's cloud offerings. Uh, absolutely. So it's also a very, very interesting time for uh, folks like Alex and I, because we get to prognosticate. Uh, we get to machinate, we get to discuss what's coming out of these events. These events are always key time for new product announcements, uh, new feature announcements, release schedules, those types of things, as well as on the other side of that coin, uh, sometimes features getting delayed or pushed out or uh, release schedules being updated. So it's always interesting to see what comes out of a session or an event like this. Yeah, I, I, it's a fun time, honestly. And I know all the um, the tech bloggers out there are also just getting their keyboards ready. They also look forward to this one because a lot of really big news comes out of this event. And for me, I typically really just care about the Microsoft 365 stuff. I don't dip into the Azure things. I don't get too deep into the power. I do a little bit of the power platform, but pretty limited on that side. And one of the things I like to do is just figure out it's like, what are they going to introduce this year that's going to completely upend everything their partners have been telling their clients the year before? What are they like? I don't know. It's always like something's going to come out of the board work that's going to be like, hey, here's this new tool and um, it's going to change the way work happens. It's going to change the way you collaborate. We say that about a lot of the products. And so last year, in my mind, this was Loop. Microsoft right. Loop. Yeah, you beat me to it. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, an, it was an interesting one. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later because we're going to do some discussions on just some things that they announced last year and see where they're at. Uh, but this, like, at, Loop was a big example of, it's like, we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming in some fashion, but we didn't think they'd make a whole product out of it, a whole app that still is, you know, to be announced, to be released. Uh, so there's ended up being something a lot bigger in their portfolio than we initially thought. And now we have to kind of take a step back and say, how do we introduce this to clients? How do we, where are the use cases for this? Who is this actually for? And, the, and so that's kind of up to people like us to say, hey, you know what? If you're interested in a solution like this, here you go. But it also ends up being a kind of stacking on to the list of options and choices that Microsoft likes to pile on to their, their customers. There's 30 ways to do any single task. <laughs> There's 30 different products to yeah. that do similar things. And it's really up to you to figure out which one fits best in your workflow, which one fits best in your work style. And so we can't really answer all those questions, but it does give us a lot to think about and a lot to consider. 
And then I usually end up spending half my day rewriting a lot of my training material. They're like, oh no, we're going to do it like this now. And <laughs> we're going to change this next year because this app's going to come out. So this segment, let's talk about what we think is going to come out this year. So hmm. Hmm. there's reading the tea leaves, reading the tea yeah. leaves. Okay. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I am expecting something for teams. Well, you've been seeing some screenshots on the tech community forums uh, that I've been showing some new screenshots and I don't have one up on the screen here, but I'm going to see if I can find one later. Um, but ultimately, we've been seeing some hints of a new user interface for Microsoft Teams. Uh, there were hints about a new version coming out to Teams 2.0 when they announced um, when they announced uh, Windows 11 last year, the year before. Is that 2011, 2010? Gosh, it feels like it's longer than that, but I don't think it has been. No. Yeah, where was I going with that? Uh, new Teams, replatforming Teams. Yes. Uh, so I'm looking to see some kind of announcement on the next version of Teams. I said this last year. I'm going to say it again this year because it was wrong last year. Uh, but I do think we're going to see at least something hopefully relating to Teams moving on to some new technology, a new platform, and getting away from Electron. Microsoft's been working on getting Teams working on Apple Silicone, so we know they're doing some work back there anyways. So... Maybe this is, I'm hoping to see a faster, leaner version of Teams come out in the next couple of years. Just because they announced it this year doesn't mean it's going to come out by the end of this year. Typically, Microsoft likes to announce things a year or a year and a half before they actually start trickling out to the customer. Loop being the exception. Loop came out much sooner than I think either of us had guessed. Because they announced it at, they've been, they've been teasing it before, right? They, before Ignite. 2021 in November because you're seeing some little clips of it. They're showing some images. And then when they announced it with the new brand name, because I think they had a different name before components. No, oh, we had fluid framework. We had all sorts of different things. Yeah. It was going under yeah. the fluid name. And yeah. So we thought that one would take, you know, it wouldn't come out till around this time this year, but mm -hmm. we've, everyone should be able to access the preview of it by adding loops into your team channels and to, sorry, not team channels, not, not there yet. Yeah, not there. Team chat and Outlook. Yeah. So we could be surprised yet by their release time. So, but I'm hoping for a Teams 2.0 on new tech. The heart, the UX, the UI are secondary to me because I want to see Teams in a much more stable platform than the one we have right now. That's what I'm looking forward to. Okay. So, Interestingly enough, there's another event and, and something that we, we were going to bring up in, in this space is uh, on October 12th, Microsoft's also hosting a hardware event for the, the Surface product of families. And if I was reading the tea leaves, I would say that we would be more prone to seeing Windows and Windows 11 type announcements around Surface hardware, kind of, you know, how Microsoft tries to marry the two there where you know it's the best devices for you know their their operating system and so sometimes that does bleed into uh microsoft 365 so i would i would bet and i'm going to challenge you a bit on this one i'm going to say that uh a, a news like a big piece of news like a new version of teams or teams being replatformed in in a more performant way 
would somehow be tied to windows, which would somehow be tied to a surface event. And that's coming up uh, in about a week as well. I, I bet that's where you would see that level of announcement. That, again, just purely a hunch. So at the surface events, you're picturing just like a new version? New, new hardware, new, new hardware, hardware. Which, which Microsoft has been rumored to be working on non-Intel based surface devices. Oh yeah, I heard about that too. It's right. kind of like, um, I because they had their Surface Pro X come out around 2020. So that was the first dip into ARM processors for right. Windows. And not maybe not the first, but like one with the Surface line. It wasn't too well received, I believe. Not at all. It had a, <laughs> not at all. I'm sorry, it beautiful, takes a long beautiful device. I never got to see it in, per, in public, but I heard it looked really cool. And I hope to see, I, I, I think the last thing I heard on this was that they are, their next Surface devices will have, will be, you'll be able to alternate between them. Well, sorry, not alternate. You'll have the option of an Intel or ARM-based device. Right. For or the some, next yeah, some different processor, some different system on a chip. So again, me thinking about it, um, I, I've got a lot of balls, none of them are crystal. Um, I would say if if Microsoft is already going to look at surface hardware being non-Intel and putting sort of the best of breed, the best of approach for Windows, and obviously Teams, they, they treat Teams almost as if it's important as Windows. Um, I would say if they're going to be coming out with surface, new surface hardware with some sort of different CPU, some different architecture, that they're going to also be like, oh, ta-da, here's the new Teams. And it also works great on Apple, Apple Silicon as well like i think that's going to be kind of a side benefit but they'll put it towards the way of oh look what we did with surface and windows and voila here's the new teams oh and by the way it works great on on the new apple uh, architecture as well yeah i could see that as well honestly that'd be three different chipsets they'd have to support yep so intel arm and apple silicon yep so it's but i bet arm and apple silicon aren't as different as people think I have no Apple, idea. Apple's hyperbole aside, I bet there's some similarities there. There might be. I don't know. I, I, I'm not an engineer. I don't know enough about uh, uh, CPU engineering to see to make that claim, but maybe they are. And I hope that makes it easier. But I think this is I, either way. I think this is more justification for them to abandon Electron, the current technology mm -hmm. they use to deploy it, which is really. It's just websites. It's just HTML pages being yeah. loaded onto it, um, being shown to you even on the desktop apps. So I haven't heard too much about how Apple Silicon is working so far. I think it still uses some... In I was reading an article the other day, and or at least an old forum post, and people are saying that it's not fully 100% on Silicon because Rosetta 2, so that is the technology Apple uses to, in my layman terms of understanding translates apple silicon to their old intel-based technology so it's kind of that converter and so t their new silicon team still requires a little bit of that old tech in there for audio mm -hmm. or think for calls or something like that so it's not 100 percent converted yet but it's still in preview so whenever this year's announcement comes that's why i'm hoping for new back-end technology to say hey look big improvements across the board and it's a lot more flexible for these different chips that we have to support moving forward. Fingers crossed. 
Hmm. On the Windows side, maybe they just bake teams into Windows. That would be interesting. Maybe that like maybe more than it. they already have. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm reaching too far. Maybe I'm reaching too far. Anyways, bring me back. Bring me bring me back to to today. Uh, predictions for Ignite. So that's Alex's prediction. I'm predicting new, new new technology for teams along with their new UI, their new UX, if whatever that might look like. I did find that screenshot I was thinking of earlier. All right, um, see it. So this is off. This is just off a poll uh, or off of the Microsoft Forums blog, but this isn't the only place I've seen these screenshots. So here we go. So it looks pretty much the same, but the first hint I saw was the fact that the back and forward buttons are moved inside here get closer to the uh, chat bar or the search bar. So that's uh, the current version, Electron, the back and forward buttons are over here. Right on. It's a little different. And the UI, I don't know, maybe it's just me, might look a little cleaner, but we'll see. We'll have to see what Microsoft comes out with because the people that release these blog posts are pretty clever about not spoiling anything too much, but <laughs> there have been slip-ups in the past, so... All right, right Johnny, we're going to move the back arrow over by search just to see if Alex Henry notices it. Just oh, I did. Screw oh. with us. <laughs> well, you know, there's going to be some uh, some news outlet out there that will pick up on that. Be like, oh, yeah, it's the new teams. Yeah. Look, it's got a new back button. Well, yeah, look at cool. this screenshot here. Look at this. This this is not Windows 11 doing this. So no. nice teams icon here. There's a yeah. clear divider at the top. It's fully grayscale. So there's some Windows 11 fluent design in here but this is looking like a refreshed ui even the sidebar here is all is looking a little cleaner hmm. again speculation but i think it's it's got some but there's some potential for my theory so right on bring it on microsoft i'm ready okay. for some refreshed teams okay i like i like i like that if uh if i can go into the prediction pot and say i don't have anything as specific as that i'm just gonna say i am predicting some announcements around OneDrive and SharePoint, um, you know, specifically around file storage. Uh, then I would also say I am expecting a lot of traction and a lot of noise, a lot of traffic around Viva, just the Viva suite in 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 all of it. Um, not one piece in particular. We've seen Viva Sales come to more of a general availability in the last week. Um, we've seen a lot more, I've seen a lot more noise just around social media about some of the individual pieces of Viva, um, and how they're growing. So I think Microsoft has seen Viva as a whole new, interesting way to, to grow a whole new, interesting way to make more money. Uh, so I would be remiss if I didn't say we're likely going to see some improvements, announcements, new features, new developments for Viva. Uh, and how tech professionals can learn about it, adopt it, put it into place. Uh, I think that's what we'll see a big uh, section of news at uh, at Ignite. Yeah, guarantee there's going to be some, maybe a new module for Viva Learning, some mm -hmm. updates to existing modules. They'll have a big, a big talk about Viva because they're putting a lot of investment behind this yeah. new brand. That seems to just kind of like, get its tentacles and all these different products in the suite and bring it into its own yeah. Viva engage slash Yammer being the most late, the latest example, Viva connections and SharePoint home sites before that. Mm -hmm. um, 
The only thing it hasn't touched so far, well, it hasn't touched a lot of things, but I am expecting it to touch teams at some point and say, hey, here's a new fresh version of teams that's called Viva Skype Engage or something <laughs> crazy like that. I don't know. It's, we'll see what happens, but at some point, Viva is going to get its fingers into everything. I swear. Uh, there, there, there's my 2022 through 2020 30 prediction for Microsoft. Viva there will be go. everywhere, whether or not you everything. want it. Yeah. All right. Viva let's keep... forever. Viva la predictions. All right. Let's let's keep the show going. We've got some follow-ups to do from Ignite 2021. Right. And there's a Back couple areas that yeah. So this is last November. There's a lot of things that we you and I got pretty pumped about. We picked out a couple of them. Uh, one of them being uh, Microsoft Loop being kind of announced because that was right. unexpected in terms of how they announced it. So Viva Microsoft Loop was um, mainly, we thought it would just be like a document. We thought it would be, um, we thought it would be more just something embedded into existing apps or products, but they ended up coming out with a full desktop version of this thing that right has, on. again, it hasn't come out yet. So, but, and the, the rollout has been a little slow in my opinion. So last For, year they announced Viva Loops. They said, "Hey, here not Viva Loops. This. Sorry, you see, you're you're doing it. You're it's doing coming. It. It's coming. Viva but, Loops. So when Loops come, there's going to be a desktop app. You're going to be yeah. collaborate all over the place in a new and interesting ways. And they're going to have a desktop app with these crazy pages coming through." They made a lot of big promises with what Loop can do for the workplace. And, oh, I got to turn that music down. That is intense. <laughs> but now we're a year. It's almost a year later. Mm -hmm. What have we gotten so far? Where are we at? We've got previews and teams. So it's in Teams chat and it's a network. Have you used it? To, have you used it at all? Have you adopted it into any of your day-to-day -day workflows, life? Teams chat uh, in loops, loop components in Teams chat, yes. Loop components anywhere else, nope. No, nope. I, I hate, I hate to say it. Uh, I hate to say it, but this was such a big bombshell a year ago, and I was so excited about it, but it just hasn't. I haven't gained any traction with it yet. No, it's fair. There's still a lot that hasn't come out for it at this point. Yeah. Um, one, again, the desktop app. So it's a big part of the experience that seems to be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like we've got pages, you'll have workspaces, and then on top of your loops. Right now, when you create a loop, you're creating a page that lives in your OneDrive somewhere. And that loop can, that page can have multiple loops in it. It could just be the one. But that's kind of the experience right now. You just get these pages and you get some components and that's all you see. The desktop app is something I'm looking forward to seeing announced and released very soon because they've been absolutely quiet about this one. Mm -hmm. Dead quiet, not Dead a word, quiet. no yeah. idea if it's even if it's even happening right now. So if and when that comes, this will be the big, a big call out to what we can do with it. Because just looking at this image here, just this video. So we've got workspaces, say like such as marketing, sales opportunities, budget. And then we have pages in here called product overview, which has loops in it. It has whiteboards, all these different file types linked together inside of it. 
I don't, we don't know what this means or what this will look like, but the idea of being able to take all these components, all these files we have all over the place and put them together on a page that is collaborative by default, by nature, has a lot of potential because I could see mm -hmm. myself working out of here a lot, a lot, even if it's right just now. me. And, and, and to, to be fair and square, this is Microsoft's answer to products like Notion, right? These workspace products where it's this big sort of infinite canvas. It's even a different way of thinking about something like OneNote where, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was that great, you know, infant canvas where you could bring things in and move them around, start working on them with, with colleagues. Uh, fast forward now, uh, you know, that the same, we still have the same problem. Um, so my guess is the delay or, or the reason for the delay is there is so much to re-architect behind the scenes with some of those discrete file types like whiteboards, like Visio drawings, um, like tables, like lists, like pages, and all the rest of the more traditional office documents. I bet there's a lot going on in the scenes. We have no idea. Uh, and maybe it is just a little bit more uh, complex of a project. Microsoft wanted to you know, announce it, but now they're going through all of that work. That's, that's really the only thing that I could think of. Not to make excuses for anybody, but... You mean Probably Microsoft's yeah. marketing got ahead of their development team? <laughs> Never happens. Never, Never happens, ever. ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just before but, I mean, show, Ryan and I were talking about the naming convention of shared channels. Microsoft, like when shared channels were announced, we'll talk about that a little bit. Microsoft called it something else. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, but just to kind of wrap up on Loop, um, what, what, are you, what do you think is missing for you? Uh, the, the desktop app, um, absolutely. And being able to use loop components in, uh, in team channels, team channels uh, that would be a big, big one. one. I yeah. Agree. Uh, I feel like I go to reinvent that wheel, uh, quite often. So that would be a big piece missing for me. I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be some year in the future where we'll be able to say 2023 is a year of loop or 2024 is the year of loop. We're just not quite there yet. I think we were thinking 2022 would be it, the, the year of loop, but uh, still a little ways to go. Yeah, I'm thinking 2024 when most of it's rolled out and the dust is settled. Yeah, uh, We'll be able to say, hey, now you can just focus on building it out. Because mm -hmm. um, the things I'm missing right now, team channels, you're right. The OneNote integration they've been promising for forever. Mm -hmm. I want to see more loops in there. I want to see more integrations, especially third-party integrations and first-party integrations. Yep. Let me bring a list in from SharePoint. Yep. Let me uh, a bring... video from Stream. Exactly. Yep. So I'm sure a lot of that is coming in. And then the third-party ones as well. If you have a product out there, you want to bring it into your page, maybe even a Power BI dashboard, like bring that in there. But it's right. going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of time. And I'm glad to see Microsoft is dedicated to this one, but I would like to see a bit more communication on this one to say, hey, this is a roadmap for Loop, which I don't think exists yet. Right on. Okay. Next, going back uh, in time, when you mentioned this a few times, is shared channels yeah. or Teams Connect. Teams Connect. The, mm. the the lovely brand name that definitely was going to catch on, but life just happened, right? Um, no one really calls it Teams Connect anymore. We were joking about that at the start of the show because share channels is all we need to know. 
there was no need to add that brand name on top of it. I think someone was trying to get fancy and it just didn't really go anywhere because Microsoft's own documentation barely touches on Teams Connect. I don't see it anywhere anymore. So, you know, live and learn. Um, so Share Channels announced last year. This is the one I went on the record and said I was the most excited to see. This is the one I really thought would make the biggest change to how we worked in an Office 365 environment, not only internally, but externally as well. Because the whole premise of Share Channels is that it's a team channel linked with its own SharePoint site for files, for pages, for content that you can bring anyone in your organization into. You have your team, your department team, your project team, create a shared channel, invite individuals or entire groups from across your organization to collaborate together inside of one channel. That focused experience, don't have to worry about managing an entire team, dozen different channels that are half empty, one channel for everyone. And then taking that to the next stream is the ability to do the external collaboration. It's a bit more complicated to set up. I've tried this out a few times. And the idea with um, the external collaboration if you're not familiar, is that it uses Azure B2B to basically do a handshake between two organizational tenants. So, right, if you and I worked at two different organizations, I'm the admin of one, you're the admin of the other, you and I would have to work together to basically um, allow our each other's tenants into, either, into each other's environments. So you can invite people from my team and I can invite people from your team into our shared channels to collaborate. Massive, in my mind, massive um ability a lot of potential mm -hmm. in this one the process of the external collaboration has a few wrinkles to sort out um when i first demoed this a month or so ago i said it actually rolled out in august and i wasn't even sure if it was going to come out this year so i was pleasantly surprised not only was it rolling out starting in august but they went full ga this month so everyone should have it if your admins enabled it and allow that type of collaboration which you should at least for the internal side discussion for another day um but ultimately because they released it it's one of those things where now we have to look at how we design our teams when we set up a new environment you can look at your existing teams and look at how many of them you have you can reduce your team sprawl with this type of support because suddenly you don't need to have a team for every occasion you can just create a single channel which again i think is all most people need you just need one channel to just do that collaboration it'll be more active which i think is a good thing because most channels i find are just like they're almost empty they're they're solo activity people use chat they have email they're spread out everywhere trying to get everyone to say only use a single channel is going to be a, a challenge itself but i think it's going to go a long way and the share channels will bring us there so I, you know, and it, and and we probably saw more more progress made with shared channels, aka Teams Connect, in the last year than we did with Loop. I think let's let's kind of put that out there. Um, but I think the potential for shared channels is is far more immediate. I think than than Loop as well. I think what happened with this one is Microsoft set out to address a problem. Uh, that being team sprawl, uh, we all know team sprawl. It's just, it's too much to follow. It's a big pain in the butt. I think they invented a new way to collaborate as a byproduct of solving team sprawl through shared channels. And that may be along the way, maybe that's why the name Teams Connect got tacked onto it, uh, you know, for, for sort of that marketing spin. But 
it's absolutely a unique and interesting way to collaborate with folks outside of your organization and address team sprawl inside of your organization. It's kind of a one-two punch. So yeah, it, uh, it tackles a lot of different issues. Like you and I, we spend a lot of time uh, switching tenants because we are in we're guests in other people's teams' environments. That sucks. It's not it's a pain a, in the butt. Absolutely, it's a pain yeah, in the butt. It's gotten better. It's gotten better because it used to be really bad, like yes. really bad. Like and go now grab it's a like coffee while you switch tenants, kind of. Yeah, thing. and now it's like a minor inconvenience. <laughs> so, but this kind of eliminates the like maybe not eliminates. It doesn't eliminate the need to have guests in your environment. There are going to be situations, but in my own tests, mm -hmm. I think being an external user in a shared channel provides a much better experience overall on many fronts than being a guest in someone's environment. The first obviously being um, not having to switch tenants. So you're just there. You have everything right in front of you. You get all the notifications with the rest of your internal notifications in one place. You can actually do a bit more. I can actually add channel tabs as an external user, which I in can't seem channel. to do as a guest right. in a shared right. channel, but I can't do as a guest. Yeah, that and sense. that might be a permissions thing. It might be a configuration thing, but it's been something consistent I've seen every time I'm a guest in someone else's environment. Can't create tabs. It's a limitation. And then just going into people's SharePoint sites, if I have to do some work in their SharePoint, can also be a bit of a pain too. This yeah. Access denied, access denied, access denied. Yeah. You don't have the permissions. Yep, been there. So this... Again, this just hits a lot of pain points that we've had when trying to mm -hmm. collaborate outside of the organization. And even, again, internally, having a single team to say, hey, look, if you need to collaborate with someone for like a week, invite them into your team. It's a shared channel. When you're done, you can close the entire thing off. It could be a yeah. two-month project. And that's all you need to just get that work done, to manage it, and life moves on. All your administrators have to deal with then is the extra SharePoint site. So that's, I think that part might need, still need some workshopping because when I go into the Teams Admin Center, I was doing this recently, which is why it's top of mind. But the idea was that I, the share, those shared channels, they have their own SharePoint site. They're not immediately available or visible to you in the Admin Center where you see all of your SharePoint sites. You actually have to do a couple extra clicks to sleuthing. see. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not not ideal because if you're an IT admin and your part of your responsibility is to ensure you're not having a bunch of random SharePoint sites dragging around, not a huge deal, I think in the long run, but it's something that has to be managed at some point or another. So that's our mic. And, you know, we, we said the same thing about private channels, you know, the year after private channels was announced and came out. Uh, I, I think anytime things like this hit, there's sort of that, that ripple. There's the sort of the big wave. Oh yeah, people are going to take to them and adopt them really, really quickly. Um, that said, I can't remember how long it's been for private channels, but I feel like it's just sort of hitting the mainstream now. Uh, and I think shared channels, again, 2022 may not have turned out to be the year of shared channels and Team Connect. 2023 certainly will. I think it'll come to the mainstream. Uh, I'm in my own experience and in, in my own interactions with customers and users, I'm seeing way more shared channel or sorry, way more private channels in the last year than I did in, in many years prior, mm -hmm. even in the last, you know, six months, I've seen more private channels. So I know that that sort of messaging or the sort of idea about 
oh yeah, I need a subset of users to only see this channel. That's sinking in. Give it, you know, okay, it's been a year now really for, for shared channels. Uh, generally available, uh, as you mentioned, just very, very recently. So give it another six months, and I think we'll start to see f users finding a need for shared channels and sort of wandering into it on their own and finding the use cases for it. This time next year, we'll, go, we'll come back to this episode, and I bet we'll be able to say, oh, yeah, you know, we saw a ton of take-up in, in shared channels in early 2023. I think so. And I think the big opportunity is for admins to go, hey, I don't want to have to create a team every time someone sneezes on a project. Let's <laughs> yes. just create a channel. Because that's yeah. I am willing to bet that most people, that's all they need. They just need the place for the files. They need a place to communicate on this work. They don't need a channel for every little thing. You can make right and all and all of the stuff that comes along with, with mm -hmm. a team, with a whole back end of a team, right? All that junk, all that yeah. junk from groups. You don't need 90% of it for a lot of your use cases. Some, every group's different. You're going to take pieces. Some are going to take some pieces. Some groups are going to take other pieces. That's totally fine. But I would say a small organization, less than 100, maybe 80 people, mm -hmm. can focus on, could have their start on Office 365 with one team, maybe an org-wide team, and then just has a shared channel for the key departments. And that's it. Do you think that would work? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. As an adopt at a, at the adoption stage, start small. You're just getting people into it. Don't overwhelm them with a thousand different channels and a thousand different teams. Uh, before we move on to our last segment, what would you like to see moving forward to share channels? What's one thing you think is missing that would make this experience just a little better? Hmm. Um, let me let me put myself in in the shoes of an end user. Some some sort of discovery. Some sort of again. I I I, I use the words. Users will stumble into it. Uh, I would I would like to see some sort of. Hey, you just set up a team, or or like even a banner somewhere in the general channel. Hey, did you know you could do this with private channels and this with shared channels? I think just being real upfront with it. Uh, a could, little bit more communication, tip tools yeah. for the end user. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would help. That would definitely help just to make that, just to get that awareness out. Mm -hmm. I think there's some onus on the management to do that as well. True. And IT leadership to say, Hey, these are the situations we create new teams for new private channels for and new shared channels for, if you're not sure which category you fit in, talk to us first before you yeah. make anything. Cause we have to make, we have our own reasons for needing to maintain that. One thing I think we're missing on my end is and this is consistent with private channels is there's a little, there's a limited support for apps in shared channels, just like private channels. So things like Microsoft planner aren't supported yep. in private channels because the way they're linked to groups, I think that's my theory. And there's other apps that are missing in that experience. So I'd like to see better first and third party support in these moving forward. I think we're still years away from that. I was hoping yeah. we were expecting to see shit like private channels get planner support quite a while ago. And right. it never happened. And I don't know if it's a technical limitation that they just kind of work themselves into or if there's something else on the horizon. Or if loop would catch up, you know, to to where it, it could be, or you could again use loop components in those shared channels in some really compelling ways as well. But TBD, right? TBD. 
All right, Mr. Ryan, uh, we're 10 minutes left and I think it's time. I think it's time we did a little demo. So why don't you tell us about... Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into this audio only version of the Mobo Show. If you want to see the full episode, including demo segments such as Watch and Learn or Feature vs. Feature, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Team We'll have links for you in the episode description. Take care.